Welcome to another episode of Two Peas on a Podcast. Counting down movies, music, TV, and pop culture. One top five at a time. And now, here are the two peas. Somebody once told me the world is gonna roll me. I ain't the sharpest tool in the shed. She was looking kind of dumb with her finger and her thumb in the shape of an L on her forehead. Well, the years start coming and they don't stop coming. Fed to the rules and I hit the ground running. Didn't make sense not to live for fun. Your brain gets smart, but your head gets dumb. So much to do, so much to see. So what's wrong with taking the back streets? You'll never know if you don't go. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome into another episode of Two Peas on a Podcast. I'm so thrilled that you joined us yet again. Thank you so much for tuning in. We have another fun top five countdown for you this evening in the world of pop culture. Movies, TV, music, pop culture. This one, I would say, is probably the pop culture category, though, because... I don't know. I guess, well, I guess you'll find out why. But I also want to mention the special guest that I have with me this week. You know, I bring in another guest host every week to help me with these countdowns. And this guy's a dear friend of the show. He's been on a few times before. And we're friends online. I follow his shows pretty closely as well. And uh, he's a great friend. I mean, he was he was one of the dudes that really helped me in the beginning when I started podcasting. Yeah, Chris, I don't know if you know that. About four to five years ago when I really started, you were one of the voices that really helped me out. So I really want to thank you for that. And here I am still doing it five years later. But you know Chris. He's all over the place. Chris Green is back. I know him from the Gravity Beer, but you got this week today going on, right? Yes. That's what you're heavy into right That's now. That's right. How are you, man? Welcome welcome back to the show, brother. I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. This is always a ton of fun. Yeah, man, for sure. You know, usually when you come on, uh, I want to say it's ironic. I don't know if that's the right term, but <laughs> but usually when you come on, we talk about music. You know, you've been on for so many music episodes. We did, uh, we, we went to 70s Rock, I think. You were on for that, right? I believe. That's not, we yeah, that's not, I think so. Songs. Yeah, I think that sounds familiar. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then we did 80s Rock albums, yep. I think. So you always are there to discuss music with me. But that's not what we're doing this week. So why don't you tell the folks what the countdown is in your own words? What are we talking about? Oh, I'm, I'm very excited about this. And this is actually, this is related to the, the pivot that we did with our show. Uh, and just to clarify on that. So we did do Gravity Beer for about four and a half years. And we have now put that show on the on the back burner. And we, mm-hmm. we, we took something that was on Gravity Beard, which is This Week Today. We spun it off to its own podcast. So it's its own thing now. That's our new show. And it is all comedy focused. And so when you reached out and invited me on the show, first, I was very excited to come back. But I knew exactly at least the category that I wanted to work from, and that was comedy. And then I don't remember how much back and forth you and I had before we landed on the on the specific topic. We had a little bit. Mm-hmm. But what we landed on was stand-up comics that have become actors. Yes, yes. So <laughs> stand-up comedians turned actors. Were there any surprises for you while you were making this list? We were talking earlier before we started recording, and... You know, a lot of these lists I do, it's nothing new to me for it to be difficult, you know, to narrow down. It usually is in most cases. But this one was exceptionally difficult because I started finding all these other actors and actresses that had their beginnings in stand-up comedy, some of which I didn't even know that was the case. Uh, I found out tonight. So I'm like, well, holy shit, you know, that person has to be mentioned. And then there's some obvious ones, too, that we'll, we'll get some love tonight as well. I mean, how about for you? Was this a hard list for you to come up with or did it come together pretty easily? Well, b- because of my personality... Along with generating my list, I came up with with very specific rules for myself as to how I was going to rank these people and how I was going to put them, whether or not they were going to make my list. And I, I don't know if you want to get into that 
before we get into our lists, if that if that's part of this part of the conversation, or if you want to do that in just a minute. But I, I don't, th- it really wasn't, because if you remember, you and I were messaging back and forth, we landed on the topic, and immediately, just because I loved the idea so much, I started generating my list right away. And I think, right, I don't know, within right. 30 minutes or an hour, sometime that day or evening or whatever, I, I basically messaged you back and said, I've got my list. And, and I, I don't, I don't know if I, if I had it all in the exact order. I think I might have made some tweaks later, but I basically right. had populated my list and had it in the order that I was pretty set, about 90% satisfied within, within 30 minutes or an hour. Well, I just want to say to everyone listening and, and to you as well, for my list, I wish I'd been a little more strict, I guess, with the rules. But what I did was kind of a loose interpretation where I thought of these folks in their early part of their careers, like in the stand-up comedy portion of their careers, right. and and how that um, you know translated to the screen for them. You know, we'd also I think we mentioned when we were chatting online, but we didn't, or I, I should say, you don't have to limit it to film either. You know, there's one actress in particular that's in my extended top ten that is more of a television actress, um, and she made my list, my my extended list. But you know, I, it was one of those things where it was like I was researching the list and I was kind of going from their filmography, you know, because that's obviously where they've made their bread and butter and made their name, and then at least most of them. And then when I'm like, okay, and the, there was stand up comic, and I started kind of watching some of those clips and started or started remembering from when I had seen them as a stand-up comic, that was really what put them on the list. Like, in other words, if they excelled as a stand-up comic for me, they made my list. Is that, were you more based on their career as an actor or as a comic, or did you do a little blend of both? It was basically a blend of both, but here's here's my methodology or my positioning statement. So since this is comics or stand-up comedians turned actors, the very f- the number one criteria had to be the credibility of their acting career. So okay. so they ha- they have to be really well established <laughs> or really well known for their acting. You might have something to say about a couple of mine, there, but that's fine. You know, the, the I love that because I think maybe that might give us a little bit of a differing um, yeah maybe approach so. to our list, which is which is great as far as you know variety is concerned. But these people just crack me up, man. They're just so funny, yeah. you know and. And of course they are in movies or TV as well, but I mean, there's just something about the stand-up comic, and I think, you know, I want to say you and I mentioned this when we were chatting online too, but I've talked about this before with other people, but there's just something about the lore of the stand-up comic and of doing that as a career uh, that just is so fascinating to me. Because it's such a, a, you would imagine a tough gig, man, because you're, you know, you think about like a musician that's playing concerts and small clubs and stuff like that, but this is you by yourself. Like you literally have nothing but a microphone stand uh, and you're trying to make all these strangers laugh at you. And that is just so fascinating to me that people, A, are able to do that and B, that they want to venture into something like that. You know, it just seems like such a, a tough gig, I would imagine. You know, I've never done, have you ever done any comedy on stage or anything? You know, until recently, I have I had not done any comedy on stage. Mm-hmm. I, I, I've been huge into comedy for as long as I can remember. Maybe, maybe even since, you know, my teen years or childhood or whatever. Uh, and the older I got, the more I understood it, the more I just appreciated the craft and the courage mm-hmm. and all the things that you're you know, talking about. And, and so I spent about 10 years trying to talk myself into doing comedy and you're just kind of going for it. And because there was a guy that I worked with that went and did it. And I thought that was super cool. And still several more years went by. And I would have said, I'm going to do stand-up comedy if I'm going to, because that's, that's what you think of first. And, but then when I finally said, okay, I'm going to do this, I went on the internet and I looked for comedy clubs where I live and I found a, a really good one that, that uh, prioritizes teaching comedy as classes. And 
I came across improv and I read, so they had improv, storytelling, sketch, and stand-up. And I read the description of all of those and mm-hmm. I, I won't get into this too deeply, but essentially there's a comedy spectrum where, where stand-up is on one end where, like you said, it's a solo, it's a solo deal, right? Mm-hmm. You're up there by yourself. You've written all your material. You're out there. There's no one going to bail you out. You, you live and die by your own efforts. You're on your own. You're on an island. On the far other end is improv, where the very basic tenets of improv is your goal is your number one goal in improv is to support your the, the other people in the scene, your scene mates, and make mm-hmm. them look good. And, and the idea is if everybody on stage is kind of pulling for each other, everyone's going to everyone's going to do much better. So, so it's, it's, it's right, very, it as a group, yeah, right? it's encouraging. It's supportive. It's, it's collaborative. It's, coll- you know, whereas that is the opposite mindset of stand up comedy. So, so sure, on, on the comedy yeah. spectrum, they're on the opposite ends. And I thought, man, that sounds amazing. And so I took a year's worth of improv classes. I completed the improv curriculum at a local comedy club and did several shows. Mm-hmm. And, and I would have been launching into my amateur comedy career if not for uh, COVID. Because uh, the last live show on stage at the club that I took my classes at was my graduation showcase. And then they closed down. Oh. Yeah, I was the last one to perform on stage. And then they closed down for COVID. Wow. And then very, very sadly, they closed down permanently a couple of months ago. Oh, man. Really? Yeah. That's a bummer. Yeah. And it, you, had a little bit of a, you had a little bit of a connection to that place, I'm sure. It was an absolute gut punch. Uh. And it, it's just like podcasting. You, you don't realize it, but you step into a community. So I, I had joined a community of of comedians and it was, i was really looking forward right. to it and then and then 2020 happened yeah 2020 sucks <laughs> there's a lot yeah. of uh, negative things about 2020 but i that's a great story man and i did you know even knowing you online and on social media i was not aware of that venture that you took on so congrats man that's great Thank you. and yeah. uh i really admire that you know like i was just kind of mentioning a minute ago i really admire the people that get up and do this and not only that they do it but that they you know kind of like you were saying how you've been thinking about it for years, years. and then yeah. you just kind of said you just kind of said all right let me start googling let's make this happen you know and that you were able to do that i mean i really admire that so great job and great story thank you what a way to what a way to get us started man with the countdown so again guys we're doing our top five uh it's our personal list it's a personal list for me it's a personal list for chris we didn't talk beforehand so we don't know what each other have on their list but it's our top five comedians turned actors we're in the pipe five by five Chris. So you want to get us started, man. I'm going to let you go first with your number five and why you chose him or her. So number five on my list is a very famous name that everyone is familiar with. If you don't know this person, you've lived under a rock or out in the out in the tundra of Siberia. And that is Eddie Murphy. Mm-hmm. Yep. And some people might be surprised that he's number five. They might be saying, well, geez, he, he maybe he should be on the Mount Rushmore of stand-up comics. And he probably should be. But for this specific conversation, where it's comics turned to actors, he doesn't make it to the top of the list because although he's, a, he's a, an iconic, a legendary stand-up comedian, his uh, acting resume, his filmography, does not stand up to the other four that are above him on my list. Okay, that's interesting. Uh, Eddie Murphy's on my list as well. He's a little bit higher for me. Um, you know, I love this guy, man. I mean, <laughs> it's so funny. I was telling you, my wife was helping me with my list for this episode, yep. which which she doesn't typically do. But she was helping me with this one, and she was kind of coming up with some names. And, uh, you know, she's going, Eddie Murphy, like, why? what has he done? And I'm like, are you insane? What has he done? Right. I'm like, Beverly Hills Cop, Coming to America, the Shrek movies, at 48 Hours. I mean, I was just like listing everything, you know, I was listing everything. Um, And she's going, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. He's done quite a bit. For sure. So I don't know if people, I don't know if people just kind of forget, because you know, he didn't, 
there was a period of time where he didn't make movies. I mean, he did he did the voice of Donkey, which was obviously you know hugely successful for him, but that was voice acting. But I don't I don't have it in front of me. But I want to say there was a hiatus for him in the two thousands where he just didn't do a lot of live action filmmaking. You know, he kind of went into seclusion in that respect. But he's on my list. I think it's a great pick. And I do think from a stand-up comedy perspective, I would say he is on the Mount Rushmore. And I would I would be one of the people that would say that. Well, for, uh, for we'll, what I'll it's talk, worth, talk for what it's worth, he's on Jerry Seinfeld's Mount Rushmore. Every now and then I take the joke too far and get in trouble. That's why I haven't been on the road the last three years, because I did a lot of... Did y'all see Delirious? In Delirious, I was making fun out of a lot of entertainers who that's when I got scary because I did some jokes about Mr. T and Mr. T was gonna fuck Ed up. He was, I was scared because y'all see Mr. T, he don't look like, you know, like he can't fight. He looks like he can whip some ass, right? And I was petrified. I was walking parties and people said, yo man, Mr. T was just here looking for you. He was walking up to people saying, I'm gonna whip it every day when I see him. Then I watched the show, because I, ne- I didn't know him. I watched the show to see what kind of guy he was, and the character on the show ain't too bright. So I figured if he came up to me, I could use the Jedi mind trick on him. <laughs> Mr. T walk up and go, I heard you did some jokes about me. No, you didn't. Maybe I didn't. <laughs> I'm going to go beat up the fool that told me them lies. I was scared. I'd be at parties here. He was looking for me. I would just leave, because I don't want to fight Mr. T. Then I found out Michael Jackson was looking for me, and I was like... Yo, when Mike, I found my manager called me up and said, yo, man, Michael Jackson is mad. I was like, so? <laughs> well, we'll talk, I'll talk about it a little bit more when it gets around to me, but uh, that's a great pick. He's, he's on my list as well. So my number five is much different. You know, I added this guy to my list late. Uh, he was a late entry for me. But, you know, much like I was saying before, he just cracks me up. Like, anytime I see this guy, whether it's watching one of his stand-up bits, uh, which you can find several of them on YouTube, he really, really made a name for himself on Saturday Night Live and came up with a lot of original characters that have literally lived on and gotten funnier with age, which is crazy. Because um, he was really prominent in the 90s. He had an unfortunate, untimely death at the age of 27. But it's Chris Farr. Chris Farley is my number five. Man. Okay. Are you a fan of him? A uh, huge fan of Chris Farley. Uh, you know, I mean, you and I are a similar age. We've talked about that on previous episodes. And so, he, you know, Chris Farley came into his own when we were in, I guess, kind of late high school, college. Right, right. That's I right. mean, he yeah. was he was everything. Him and Adam Sandler and and um, and those guys that, that were on Saturday Night Live at the same time, they were everything. That, that, that was our generation of Saturday Night Live guys. Uh, but but this mm-hmm. this choice makes me want to ask you a question. Were you blending sketch guys and stand-up comic, stand-up comedy guys? I tried not okay. to, um, but when I thought of someone that did sketch comedy, like obviously he did, I would uh, research to see if they started doing stand-up. Mm-hmm. So he, I believe he was in the Chicago Second City yep. where he was doing stand-up initially mm-hmm. um, before he before he got discovered and, and went on SNL. So I thought it was okay to put him on the list, but I, I don't know. You think it's more of an improv? In other words, are you saying improv actors are different than stand-up comedians? I yeah, guess. I, and again, I think that's the fun of your show is that you, you, you <laughs> right. and I mean that genuinely, that's not sarcasm. 
you know, the the two you and, and your guests don't talk about it in advance. You don't even talk about your criteria, really, maybe loosely. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's what makes it for an interesting conversation. And so for me personally, I did not blend. And, and again, I'm I'm that's the way my brain works is I, I put really strict rules mm-hmm. on myself for a conversation like this. So I did not blend um, sketch sketch actors with stand up comedians. I drew a really hard line there. I got you. I want to say I probably did do a little bit of blending then. I mean, my number five was Eddie Murphy, who is also I mean. But I mean, Eddie Murphy did everything great. You know, he was a legendary stand-up mm-hmm. comic. He was on Saturday Night Live at like the age of 19, you know, and had iconic characters. You know, he, he did some of the most legendary uh, comedy movies. So he covers all your bases. Uh, so I think I think there's, yeah, I th- for I th- anybody that's accomplished in comedy, there's, there, there's going to be some overlap, right? I, I want to say Chris Farley, and then there's one other uh, person in my extended list that was also got, the, her career began in the improv circle as well. Okay. But aside from those two, I think I'm pretty hardline to stand up comedians and there's one that was just a fucking shock to me that I didn't even know he ever did stand up comedy uh, and I found that out tonight and I'm like well I'm a god I love this, this actor so I'm putting him on my list well, so he's coming up here in a few let, let me few say minutes, one more but. thing about Chris Farley also because ha- sure. having now studied improv myself and, and so that obviously it sends you down a rabbit hole just kind of studying the craft mm-hmm. He, mm-hmm, sure. Chris Farley uh, among other improvisers uh, he was not he was regarded as a terrible improviser he was terrible at improv <laughs> because improv does have a structure around it and mm-hmm. you know Chris Farley doesn't adhere to a structure for anything he, he's oh, he's just course, a human yeah. tornado right he's a scene stealer and really in improv you're not supposed to be a scene scene stealer but he he, he was he was so Chris Farley and so lovable and just so over the top mm-hmm. in a good way that that it worked and people around him just kind of adapted and and because it was still a great show but but by by the strict kind of not I don't say rules of improv because whatever but yeah I think you understand what I'm saying is is sure yeah. he, he still made a show great the audience loved it he was but he was kind of terrible at improv like like he that's he's funny. not going to support you know people in a scene with him he's just going to be Chris Farley that, and then, he, and then he's, he's gonna he's gonna come on half clothed he's gonna leave naked and everyone's gonna laugh and you're like what the hell just happened right. that's what he does <laughs> right what's with the other people in the group or whatever, that's right right that's right uh yeah I can see that for sure I love this guy man I mean you know I, I met him on the streets of New York <laughs> well I say met I use that term very very loosely uh he passed by me and acknowledged me um so i used the term sure but i was in new york i was in new york for a school trip must have been 90 93 92 93 somewhere in that range and it was all cold and he was all bundled up in his little like blazer basically he wasn't dressed for the weather at all and he had on his little like golfer hat you know what do you call those little hats with the you know talking about the and uh, he's just all bundled up. I was like, hey, Chris Farley. And he just looked. He said, yeah, man, Chris Farley. <laughs> <laughs> and just kept walking. And, uh, you know, I was starstruck because I was a big fan of his at the time. He was he was really big on SNL oh, yeah. at the time that I saw yeah. him there. So, yeah, you know, and if you go back and, you know, see any of his stand-up bits that you can catch on YouTube, and even NBC has some, like, on their SNL page or whatever, kind of like an homage to him or whatever. Uh, I mean, it's just great, great physical comedy and kind of like what you were talking about in a lot of the skits that he's known for as well. But he just really took advantage of what was around him and what he was given to work with and just kind of was really self-aware and just had no problem kind of poking fun at who he was. Do you know what I mean? Well, he was he was a really sweet person, right? Right, right. And um, so he's just a good person. Everybody loved him. Yeah, man. Uh, Good dude. Chris Farley is my number five. And we're over to you for your four. Chris, what do you got, man? Okay, my number four is another icon in comedy. Mm -hmm. And that is Billy Crystal. Yeah, good one. 
I thought about him for my list. And, Love Billy. And Crystal. I, I think Billy Crystal sort of falls into this category that the rem, the remainder of my the people on my list are going to fall, in, and that is that th- their film career was so notable that you forgot they really did anything else. And also, Billy Crystal's mm-hmm. been around for over over half a century, but he's done stand up. He certainly did sketch. You know, he he's done a number of tours where he did a one man show. So he's in lots of things on stage by himself, including stand up comedy. But he also did. He was. He also had an iconic film career. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree, and that that's going to kind of mirror in a lot of ways my number four uh, too. But, but I mean, Billy Crystal is a great pick, man. You know, he's another one of those actors that, uh, and maybe there'll be more that'll come up on our respective list. But he's so like embedded in nostalgia for me too yeah like I, I can particularly remember seeing in other words not being so much like it's not a billy crystal project but like his performances in certain roles are so nostalgic for me like i remember the princess bride for example sure like his little <laughs> role in that one uh as the miracle maker is just i mean forever just will be embedded in my soul uh but i, I love him and then even uh something a little simpler that i love of his is his the voice for mike wazowski yes in monsters from, uh, monsters Monster, inc. monsters mm-hmm. monsters inc is, is so good man so all right, cool. So that's your number four. So kind of similar to what you were saying. Now, this is, uh, I just found out that this gentleman in the late 70s did stand-up comedy as a way to supplement his income while he was trying to make it in TV. Uh, and I am probably not sticking to the Chris Green hardline rules per se, but when I found that out, this is one of my favorite actors of all time, brother. He's probably in my top five actors if I ever do that list. And it's Michael Keaton. Oh, interesting. Batman. Okay. Um, did you know that he did stand-up? That's interesting. I, I want to say that somewhere along <laughs> the way, maybe I heard that, but but I sure, yeah, surely I did, I've forgotten. I, I, I mean, the, the, the honest answer is no. I, I did not know that he ever yeah, did stand-up. I, I did not know either. My wife told me tonight, and I'm like, you're insane. He never did stand-up comedy. And then I started looking like on his Wikipedia page, and she found a clip of him actually doing stand-up like in 1980. Wow. Uh, and she sent that to me. And then he did get some, um, you know, he did have some TV work with Mr. Rogers because he was from Pennsylvania. Oh, okay. I didn't know that either. So so he did do some acting on Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood in the 70s, I guess before he did stand-up. Okay. But I kind of, you know, I mean, come on, man. I mean, <laughs> I found out Michael Keaton was doing stand-up comedy. I mean, how could I not mention him for this list? Are you a fan of his, generally speaking, as an actor? You know what? Again, because of our generation, I remember him from the same, you know, like Mr. Mom and those types of stuff when we were growing up. Uh, what was that movie where he was, um, where they, 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 the Japanese started a car company in the United States? What was it called? Oh, yeah. What was that one It doesn't matter. Oh, but, but, uh, um, but I mean, you know, Be- I know Beetlejuice. Like, like, yeah, the answer is yes. I mean, he's, he's another guy that you can't not like. He's just a likable guy. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, th- this is a very polarizing topic, but, you know, because of our age, I actually still still enjoy his version of Batman better than most versions of oh, Batman. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, he's my Batman forever. And it's kind of like, it's kind of like who's your James Bond. So if you want to make a case for Christian Bale or who, whoever else, I'm not going to argue with you. I'm not going to die on that hill. But um, right. and, and then he really ex- expanded his range when he did. Uh, what was that movie he did? A couple years ago, founder, and then he also did Birdman. That's the one. Birdman nominated for an Academy Award. Birdman. So, um, man, he's he's even shown more recently that he's been able to stay relevant and really expand his range. And and by all accounts, he's a good dude. And he and I've enjoyed him in almost everything I've seen him in. Bazooka Joe Bubblegum. Now, I'm sorry. I don't care if you're the president of a corporation. You can be Alexander Haig, and you can't not 
read these. You know, you can't throw this. It's something you just don't do this. You just don't put bazooka in your mouth and throw the thing away. No one in the world does it. You know, you can go, AWACS? Hey, yeah, I say we send them. Just a minute here. You know? You can't do it. You can't put it down. Now, I read this today, and I got to tell you, this is very funny. I'm sorry. This is just a very funny thing. Do you know, are you familiar with the characters? Bazooka Joe, the turtle footer here, like that, you know? I could never understood how Bazooka Joe, he always had a lot of food on his sweater because it never got through. And then Tubby, they're standing here, okay? Here it is. And I'll just read it to you. Now, you might not laugh, but I think this is very funny. He says, Bazooka Joe has a clock in his hand, you know? And Tubby says, what are you doing, Bazooka Joe? And he says, I'm throwing a clock out the window. And he says, why? And Bazooka Joe says, I wanted to see time fly. Okay? All right, now wait a minute. Wait a minute. Tubby says to him, time, Bazooka Joe? It's a rather ethereal subject, isn't it? And Bazooka Joe says, uh, well, it depends on how one views time. I mean, if you see time traveling in a horizontal line to infinity, well, then yes, I guess it is. But outside of that, people see it broken up in segments. And then Tubby comes back with, I think, something pretty clever. Tubby comes back and says, yes, but wasn't it Eugene O'Neill who said, weary am I of the tumult, sick of the madding crowd, longing for far sea places where the soul may think aloud. And then Bazooka Joe looks at him and goes, hey, sorry I f***ing asked, okay? Yeah, he's a great guy. He just did an interview a couple weeks ago, actually. You know, it was virtual because of COVID. And it was on, I want to say Jimmy Kimmel, I think. It was either Jimmy Kimmel or Jimmy Fallon. I'm not sure. But um, it was just, it was recent. It was just a couple weeks ago. And, and they were talking about, you know, the new Flash movie that's going to be coming out next year. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he's ru- he's rumored to be in it as Bruce Wayne. And, you know, of course, the fans are freaking out, myself included. Yep. And uh, anyway, they're talking about that. And Jimmy Kimmel's like, you know, let me just go ahead and ask you, because, you know, it's been, you know, 20 plus years since you wore the cowl and the cape. You know, who's the best cinematic Batman? And Michael Keaton was like, me, I am. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just like it's nothing, you know. Um, and I love it. He was talking about how he still has the costume in his closet and sometimes he'll wear it around the house. And stuff. That's great. <laughs> Which I thought that was great. Uh, but yeah, Michael Keaton, man. I mean, you know, I don't think his, you know, much like, or I should say, uh, not like most of the other picks that I'm going to be mentioning tonight. I don't think, in other words, I don't think that's something that's in the zeitgeist that people just don't really know that about Michael Keaton. They don't know that he had the st- uh, stand-up comedy stint. Whereas all the other folks I'm going to mention, they kind of have that moniker attached to them. Do you know what I mean? So sure. I thought that was really cool too. Um, and I thought it might make for interesting uh, conversation piece. And also, uh, I didn't tell you at the top or I didn't tell the listeners at the top, but I think if I insert clips on this episode, I'm probably going to insert bits from their stand-up acts. So I think that'll be cool to kind of hear hear them, you know, in the in the beginnings of their career, so to speak, as opposed to hearing a line from a movie that we're super familiar oh, with. Oh, yeah, so for sure. Maybe, maybe, uh, maybe I'll have thrown in a little Michael Keaton stand-up comedy there for you guys as well. All right, so that's my number four, Batman at number four. Uh, what do you got at three, Chris? Number three, I have Jim Carrey. Low, brother. Low. But I'm glad you have him on your yeah, list. But I agree with you. I agree with you. I love for him. my same criteria, you know, he, he did do stand-up. Um, he got, real quickly, he got into sketch because he was on In Living Color. But he, this is a perfect example, especially the final two, but he's also an example of he, his, his acting. You, you, you know him so well for his acting now that you forgot that he did anything before that. And, and he went mm, through right. a, a stretch in the 90s. Listen to this stretch. So all in a row. Actually, these are just 
These are just in 1994. In 1994 alone, these three movies were released. Ace Ventura, Pet Detective, The Mask, and Dumb and Dumber. That's just in 94. Mm -hmm. Then he did uh, Batman Forever. Then he did the second Ace Ventura. Then Cable Guy. And then... And then he did Liar Liar. That's all in a three-year stretch. Yeah. Think about that. And and, by, and and later, you know, he did stuff like The Truman Show. You know, he did the uh, Andy Kaufman deal, Man on the Moon. You know, he, he played The Grinch. You know, and that was over the next few years. And, and so by, by the end of that stretch in 1994, you knew Jim Carrey so well from his films. Like a, any, any comedic actor, any actor, period, if you had that three-movie stretch, you'd be happy if you never acted again, right? Because, because right. those three right. alone in that one year cemented him in, in kind of the pantheon. So, uh, and that was it. He never looked back. You know, he did Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind in the early 2000s and, and all kinds of other good films. So um, he's not known for his stand-up, although he, he had an established stand-up career. Then he had an established sketch career there briefly. Right. Um, and then he's firmly entrenched and, and you know him as as a comedy actor. Right. You know, what's cool about Jim Carrey, he's coming up on my list too, so it's another crossover for us, but um, I agree with everything you said. You know, he's just such a prolific actor uh, that won't go away. I mean, he always... Uh, takes the opportunity to reinvent himself and reintroduce himself to new audiences, new age groups and, and the like. Um, you know, he has a great show that he co-created on Showtime called Kidding, um, which is a wonderful show. And his acting is really on display on that program. So he's done TV, obviously all the blockbusters that you mentioned, all the other kind of indie projects that you mentioned some of as well. But I just love how, you know, Jim Carrey and then... Uh, I don't want to take away from anybody that you might mention, but there's a couple other people, but there's, I literally could count them on one hand of at least current actors that are still active that were able to do such a seamless transition from comedy to drama. And I feel like Jim Carrey is one of the few that can do both extremely well. Uh, he can do comedy like nobody's business, but you know what? He can also do this Oscar caliber dramatic performance where he's crying his eyes out on screen and you can feel the emotion from his performance in that as well. Uh, you know, have you ever seen Kidding on Showtime? By no, the way? I haven't. Well, that show is awesome because it's a little bit of both. He actually plays a, it's fictionalized, but he plays a fictional kind of like Mr. Rogers character. He has this uh, children's television show okay, and it's going, uh, it's going under because of YouTube and social media and kids aren't watching TV anymore and blah, blah, blah. So he's dealing with kind of not being relevant in that space anymore. Um, so he's dealing with that stuff and it weighs on him, but he's also doing the comedy bits for the kids and like, you know, when he's talking to his dad and like stuff like that. So we get a little bit of both on that show from Jim Carrey, but I don't know if you know what I'm saying, but I feel like there's only a handful of actors that really are able to do drama and comedy top tier. And I think Jim Carrey can do both in my opinion. What do you think? I absolutely agree. And I think he's good at it, but he's not the best. And I think my last two on my list will be really good examples of that. Yeah, that's why I was saying I don't want to take away from anybody that, that may be mentioned, but I feel like he's in a group with, with the with the select few. Yeah, I'll just put I agree. It that way. Um, you already mentioned my number three. My number three would be Mr. Eddie Murphy. Uh, you know, we kind of already talked about it. I mean, I think he is on the Mount Rushmore of stand-up comedy, and then if you look ahead to his film career, and really Saturday Night Live too, I wasn't really into SNL when he was on there. I was too young still. Right. Um, but seeing some of those old clips and those vintage clips, uh, I mean, they're to die for, man. I mean, just hilarious stuff and to know that he kind of created some of those characters in the writing room and came up with some of those ideas uh, you know was such original ideas was really cool and I love his film I mean some of his movies are some of my favorites of all time you know Coming to America Beverly Hills Cop um, I mean he's the guy's just amazing and I hope he 
he just last year was in Dolomite is my name. Did you see? Did you get a chance to see that I, one? Or I not? heard about it, but I did not see it. Yeah, he gives an, a, a tour de force performance in that one where he's portraying Rudy Ray Moore, uh, who was a famous kind of filmmaker and icon in the 60s and 70s. And just a, they thought he might get nominated for an Academy Award for it. He did a, an amazing job in that film. But, uh, you know, he's another one where you give him some dramatic screenplays or whatever, and he could probably turn the switch and, and do something special there. But yeah, I love Eddie Murphy. We talked about him earlier. So that's my number three crossing over with you. And we are up to our runner-ups, Chris. So let's see, man. What, what do you got uh, stewing over there at number two, buddy? Well, before I get my number two, just a little bit more about Eddie Murphy. If you haven't seen yeah, the sure. episodes on Comedians in Cars with Coffee, the Eddie Murphy episodes, oh. you know, usually that show is like, like I don't know, 10 minutes long. You know, those episodes are really mm-hmm. short. I think he did like 45 or 50 minutes with Eddie Murphy. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, he did that. He did. You know, I want to say he did that with Obama too, right? Where they had like an hour. Yeah, I think so. When mm-hmm. he when he rode around with Obama, which was awesome. Yeah, and, and he's um, had some repeat yeah, guests, I, but but um, Eddie Murphy's, I think maybe the Obama episode is longer, but that's one of the longest episodes he's done. Yeah, that's great, man. I mean, you know, we were talking about it earlier and, you know, now I feel like I want you to tell me stories from your, <laughs> from your improv uh, experiences, but, you know, I feel like with Seinfeld and, and Eddie Murphy, let's just say, since we're talking about those two dudes and since they're obviously established, you know, comedians, I mean, I feel like there's such a familial like bond that's created when you know someone is excelling at something that you do do you know what oh, i mean oh yeah absolutely um, and especially if you're not a egotistical type of person and maybe you're uh, you know self-conscious about how you're performing in that space regardless of you know how much money might be in your account but you know you could see that when somebody like Seinfeld talks about Eddie Murphy because it's like they just know like bro you are good at this <laughs> do you know what i mean and and maybe Eddie Murphy doesn't see it that way do you know what i'm saying so I always think that's really cool, too, when you get different comics that are just so... They are just fans of other comics. I think that's really cool. Well, that's one thing I've done recently in the last year or two that I I didn't do up to that point was I've just dug into... You know, documentaries and interviews and comedians and cars. And, you know, Seinfeld's actually got a couple of really good documentaries about comedy and just really nerding out about it. And Jerry's one of my favorites. And and he can be really confident because he's been to the top of, I mean, he's at the top of the mountain, right? Like he's, he might be the first billion dollar comedian. It's, but but also, when you go back and watch documentaries with him, you realize, oh, he was pretty laid back. Like, he didn't have the angst and the darkness that most stand-up comics had. You know, they, they all come from right. kind of a of a dark, terrible place, <laughs> and kind of their comedy comes from their pain. Uh, Jerry does mm-hmm. not have that story. Yeah, he's got a very unique story compared to most comics, and, and I really found that fascinating right. to look into. Right. I agree, so, man. Okay. All right, brother. It's up to you, man. It's your number two. My runner-up, another icon. Uh, everybody in the top five is an icon right because that's how they made it in the top five that's right is robin williams yes and i think it's gonna be obvious the reason again like the like the others just before him he developed such a well-known film career that you forgot that he did anything else but he was also an excellent you know stand-up comic like you have to like his style and quite frankly i don't like robin williams style of you know his stand-up he's i don't like that frenetic running around you can't understand what he's saying he's just he's just a little too much for me at least in stand-up <laughs> right um right I've, but I've, i feel like that's the point uh with him he was just such a i'll let you continue but he's my number two as well so we have crossover okay. on the same All right. media on the same, yeah, yeah, the same t- number but go to each his own. It's like music or movies, or it's like any kind of pop culture. It's all you know. There's, it's sure. all just opinions, and it's it's very subjective, and it's what you like, and it's your sense your sensibilities, and and I still think he's brilliant. You know, I just didn't like that style of, of stand up comedy. I, I didn't like him on Mork and Mindy when we were younger. I just thought it was, I just thought it was silly. <laughs> right. 
And, and there used to, I don't know if you remember this, but they used to say something about him in movies, whereas if he had a beard, it was a dramatic film. If he didn't have a beard, it was a comedy. Oh, now I got to think about that, actually. <laughs> yeah. I haven't heard that, but now that you're saying so, that. So, like, just two examples. Good Will Hunting, beard. Good Morning Vietnam, yeah. no beard. You know, oh, 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 yeah. Awakening, beard. <laughs> you know. He didn't He didn't have a beard in Dead Poets, though. But otherwise, that's, right. that's, that's right. pretty That's a pretty tight uh, That's a pretty tight album. I didn't come up with that. that. And, and, of course, it's not It's not completely airtight, but it, there's some relevance to it. <laughs> but but here, here's, to your comment earlier, this is why Eddie Murphy actually doesn't rank, because Eddie Murphy, Murphy just he did enough, enough great films and his, his stand-up is so iconic that he probably could have been in the number one or two spot except for the fact that you mentioned that he could do it but he has not actually transitioned really from comedy to dramatic film right right, right. He, he did get into kids films you know and that's and that's where really uh, he lost a lot of us because you know we didn't have kids yet and we were like what the hell is Eddie Murphy doing <laughs> he went right. through like a decade and a half of just doing kids films what whatever but but he so he transitioned to that so so we went from the dirtiest comic we knew since prior to doing kids right. films sometime in the future and but right. he, but he didn't he successfully made that transition he, but not to drama and then he had the and then he had the hiatus right for that that I was talking about pretty much yes that's right I don't know how I don't know how many years it was but he did the Shrek films he did like Haunted Mansion he did some Disney right. stuff which of course you know I mean l- let's be honest he's getting paid you know what I mean oh Disney's sure paying him of course but to your point uh you know that was a choice that he had to make at some point right. in his career where he's like I'm gonna take you know x number of millions of dollars or i'm going to take an artistic you know expression that's not going to pay me anything but i'm going to be able to do something different and of course as it appears you know he took the choice of the money right which i don't i don't hold that against him and i think he's kind of coming back which i don't know if it's even fair to use the term comeback but you know dolomite was my name was was great last year and I've heard of some other projects that are in the works for him. So I'm glad to see him kind of leaving that uh, kids movie space, even though I do, you know, truth be told, enjoy him, especially as the donkey, um, you know, in a lot of that stuff, and especially now that I have young kids. But I know we're talking about Robin Williams. I don't want to get off on another Eddie Murphy thing there. But uh, go ahead and finish your thought about Robin Williams and kind of his dramatic turn. Well, that, that's the thing. That That's why he's at the top of the list, or not the top, but that's why he's my runner up is because he did make that transition. Um, uh-huh. Is that he, and Robin Williams, and he's done kid movies, kids movies. He was in Aladdin that made like four hundred million dollars in in nineteen ninety two. Amazing in that. So so he did yep. he did kids films and comedy, and he did uh, blue comedy. He did clean comedy. He did mo- you know, and he successfully transitioned as an actor into into dramatic films. And and it didn't take him long. He did it very early on. And uh, for that reason, that's why Eddie Murphy's a little lower, and that's why Robin and actually Jim Carrey, you know, he did it too, and that's why he's number three, not quite as well mm-hmm. as Robin Williams, and not as well as my number one person but those top three guys made that transition successfully and they're credible and they're yeah, credible no, I, in all those areas absolutely man and i agree with you 100 percent. you know uh, one thing and robin williams is my two as well which i mentioned and, and the only other thing i'll really say about him and why uh you know i felt necessary to put him this high on the list is because you know the man's a genius and he's one of those people that even in passing you know now that he's passed on even still uh it feels like he's here because his energy and the art that he created with the level of passion that he created it is like it's still being made because it was just there was so much put into it you know from him I mean by him 
Uh, and one thing I've said on my show before when it came up, when he came up on a movie that we were talking about, it was probably, you know, Goodwill Hunting or something like that. And we were talking about it and I had my guest on and I don't remember who it was. I apologize. But, you know, what I was saying that really impresses me about Robin Williams' film career, I mean, he's an Oscar winner. Yeah. <laughs> you know, this guy's, uh, this guy's uh, you know, falling off the stages as a, as a comic, just acting like a, you know, fucking crazy person and just missing a straight jacket. Uh, and then fast forward, he's winning Academy Awards, you know. But what's amazing to me about that is, you know, from the craft of acting, and you probably have a much closer relationship to that from you know from recently doing your improv class. But when you get somebody that's really shy, uh, and I mean just like in their regular life and their personality, they have a shy kind of timid personality, and they're an actor, so they have to emote and do all these different kinds of things to get the audience's attention. They can't just sit there and be a shy person unless that's what the character calls for, of course. But then you get somebody like Robin Williams on the flip side who can't shut up, who is so manic and frantic and uh you know bouncing around it's like he, it's like he lives on a trampoline he's bouncing off the walls he's you know sweating profusely because he can't stop you know talking about whatever he's talking about and uh and you get somebody like that and you put them in this box you know I'll use goodwill hunting as an example and he has to dial it down and he has to be such a subdued quiet timid character that's was not easy for somebody like Robin Williams to do you know and I and I was talking about Robin Williams earlier when I mentioned Jim Carrey I feel like they're in the same kind of ballpark uh, um, you know, Carrie is not to the level of Robin Williams, in my opinion, right. but they are in the, on the same. They're on the same path, in my opinion. Whereas, as stand-up comics and as comedians, they were so manic. You know, they were so frantic. Uh, but as actors, they can really turn it down to fit the emotion of whatever they're they're acting out. Does what I'm saying make sense? Oh yeah, yeah. I, I've never <laughs> okay, I've never good. thought about that, but I think that's a great observation. You're absolutely right about both those guys. The whole thing, the whole reason you're doing all this is because one little sperm gets through, bang, you got yourself something wonderful. And you're lucky you get any good sperm at all, because when you're making love, your testicles like a little punching bag. Like, pitchy, 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 pitchy. <laughs> it's lucky your semen don't come out of there like Leon Sphinx going, I could have fought better, Howard. <laughs> I could have come at him, but he seemed to move away from me. <laughs> That's it. One little sperm gets in there, makes contact, boom. It's like a chromosome square dance. 24 chromosomes coming down. <laughs> That's all comes from spinning round. Dominant scene means hair is brown. Bow to your father. Bow to your mother. And you've just created a tiny creature that'll eventually quit college on you too. <laughs> You're off and running the wonders of life. And women know the moment they get pregnant because it's like a ping and they start to glow. And you expect to see three wise men show up at your door and go, you saw a star, dude? They've got this incredible feeling about them. And the natural process takes a slow, slow transition. And three months later, the wonderful thing happens. The titty fairy arrives. <laughs> and in one night, she goes from zero to Aida. Yeah! <laughs> Thank you, Jesus! Thank you! <laughs> so there we go. Matching up on our runner-ups, Robin Williams. Uh, rest in peace, obviously. It was hard to not put him in number one, actually, but uh, I went with personal preference when I was, um, you know, thinking of their filmographies and stuff like that. So I'll mention my number one here in a second. But first of all, I know we don't have crossover because you've already mentioned my number one. So who is your number one? Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny you'd say personal preference because I suppose I could have put Robin Williams number one also. And my number one, we could have the, the exact same conversation almost that we just had for Jim Carrey and for Robin Williams, quite honestly. 
Mm-hmm. And maybe we will. But my number one is <laughs> Steve Martin. Okay. Oh, man, you're going to be mad at me. But I'm going to let you give your spiel. But I'm not a big fan of Steve Martin. Oh, oh really? I, 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 yeah, don't be upset. I mean, I like some of his stuff. You know what I mean? I like Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, Father of the Bride. But when he does the stand-up comedy part or like the SNL comedy mm-hmm. stuff, I just never got into it. And I and I know I'm. it's me. It's not him. It's me. Like, I get that. Uh, I'm just being transparent, honest, that it just doesn't connect with me unless it's in some of his films. So I couldn't get on board with the stand-up comedy part. But at the same time, the dude's a legend. You know who else I love, by the way? And I, just, I don't want to forget to mention this. Is Was Martin Short a stand-up comic? Ooh, that's a good question. Because you know? um, I love I should know. I, I should know that because together. I've started listening to a lot of interview podcasts, and I believe I just heard him interviewed by... Maybe Alec Baldwin, and he told his mm-hmm, story. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to remember if I remember him saying, if I was surprised to hear that he had not done. I a lot of these guys, you know, they took one of two routes. Either they went the well, there's three routes. They they went the stand up route in, in, into acting, mm-hmm. comedy acting. The the improv route, which eventually goes improv sketch, you know, you know, into comedy acting. Or they just went right through Second City, you know, right from sketch right into acting. Uh, mm-hmm. Those are really the three primary routes. And I want to say. That that he went like the second city route somewhere. Some well, get back to me because I love him. Boy, I, I just thought about him because I love him and Steve Martin together too. I, I think they're hilarious. Well, and and I think um, I think those guys are out. Maybe it's, it got shut down because of COVID. But I think he and Steve Martin were out doing a two man show, weren't they? They were, yeah, yeah they were, yeah. Yes, and so. they they often do stuff like on SNL, and you know they'll go on talk shows together and do stuff and. Um, you can tell they're obviously super tight. Martin Short had this show on FX for a while with Josh Gad, uh, where they played themselves. Oh, um, interesting. Yeah, you know, played Martin Short and played Josh Gad, and they had like a sketch comedy show. Um, it was fictionalized, but it was like the two of them playing themselves doing a sketch comedy show. And you know, Josh Gad was supposed to be like the bringing in the young audience, and Martin Short was obviously for the older folks, right. you know, like us. And it was really funny. But Steve Martin would come on that show as a recurring character. Really? So I love seeing I love seeing them kind of bounce off of each other on yeah, that no show kidding. too because they were playing themselves <laughs> so it was really cool uh it kind of had like a curb your enthusiasm type five in okay. that way all right anyway i'm sorry to get off on a thing there i just was hoping that i didn't forget martin short because i just remembered him and i love him but steve martin talk about why that's your number one man. well and and listen you're you're not going to make me mad by making the comments that you did because again you and i are the same age i i, I did i never liked steve martin stand-up i never thought it was funny i never i never liked mm-hmm. robert williams stand-up i never liked jim carrey stand-up for that matter, I've never seen Billy Crystal, at least when we were younger, I never see saw him do anything on stage that I thought was fantastic. I didn't even like Eddie Murphy's stand-up, quite honestly. Even back then, I wasn't really into that edgy type of comedy. I thought it was kind of a mm-hmm. shortcut to laughs, which I still feel like mm-hmm. that. Uh, so that doesn't that doesn't upset me at all because I agree with you. And, and even though, say, a movie like The Jerk is legendary, I thought that was sort of funny and there were some funny scenes, but I didn't really enjoy him in that. Uh, and it really wasn't until he started doing things that were you know, kind of in between comedy and drama. You know, he wrote and and acted in L.A. Story. I thought that was really good. Uh, and I think kind of everything he did after that was was really good. And and like I said, and maybe maybe Robin Williams is my number one because they're kind of one A and one B to me. And, and I, yeah, I, sure. I would have to make a list of films with both of those guys in it and, and kind of weigh them. And I, I should have done that actually for this conversation. I apologize. But mm. it, I think if I made that list, maybe Robin Williams is my number one because 
they're they're up at the top for the exact same reasons, right? And and just for some reason in my mind, and may, I'd have to look at the timeline too. In my mind, Steve Martin was the first one that kind of seamlessly made. He was the forerunner for these other guys. You know that that sure. made that transition from the most the most frenetic, goofy, st- and he was legendary in like in around in the mid seventies. There was no bigger stand up comic than than uh, Steve Martin with his banjo and the arrows through his head and all that nonsense that I've never thought was funny. But he was huge, huge. Um, and then yeah. all of a sudden he's doing these comedy movies and, and not all of a sudden he, he certainly wouldn't say that but and, and but not only that but but he's he's in a bluegrass band I mean the guy is so multi-talented and, and he does everything well we know a lot of actors that have started bands whether it be Kevin Costner or the Bacon Brothers or whoever but Steve Martin is out there with with uh, Alison Krauss and and um, mm-hmm. and these huge mm-hmm. names he, he is he is an established yeah, credible bluegrass artist in addition to being a comedy actor a dramatic actor and an icon in in everything else that he's done so yeah he's a class he's a class act man you know and I, I didn't want that to come off the wrong oh, no, way no, no, no. I do it's not it's not that I dislike him just from a personal preference standpoint like his early comedy stuff never connected with me which I think is kind of what you're saying oh, yeah too. me either none um, of it did but but you know looking ahead to like his, his film career there's a lot of films that he's in um, that I door and I do you know I remember him doing some SNL skits that I saw in post because I was too young at the time much like Eddie Murphy but you know with Dan Aykroyd with the two of those dudes together I already mentioned I love him with Martin Short I think they play off well uh, play off each other real well but yeah I think it's a great pick man I just it just wasn't on my list because it just took me a long time to really get into him do you know what I mean like I felt like it was later in Steve Martin's career before I really started to appreciate him I, I don't disagree with that at all I'd probably say the same thing well, my number one you already mentioned, and you know we're talking about personal preference, so I don't want to get you know uh, I don't want people cr- uh, chasing me down the road with, with pitchforks here for putting Jim Carrey as my number one, but that's my number one, Mr. James Carrey. Um, you know, look, man, I mean, here's why I put him over Robin Williams. I mean, like you said, they're tied. I mean, if if you and I recorded this tomorrow night, I could very easily be saying Robin Williams right now. Can I guess what um, your reason is? Yeah, sure. Go ahead. It's it's is it a, is it for a similar reason that that Nirvana is one of your favorite band or your favorite band because because you you're a very anchor to the '90s. <laughs> I am, and I guess so. Actually, you're on to Be- something because there, because. So. If I could psychoanalyze you, uh, sure. Yeah. Nirvana came around in the you know, for the mainstream in the like ninety one, ninety two. They were he, they yeah, were huge sure. by ninety four, by ninety five. It was all over, and and all the Jim Carrey stuff. Like I talked about <laughs> when I brought him up, he had that string in nineteen ninety four when you get, when you and I were in the middle of college, yep. right? That that I mean like that was that was a really huge time for us in pop culture, and so for him to have his biggest years in nineteen ninety four would would also we could have a whole episode just on nineteen ninety four. Actually, you, you should do an episode on that on your top five things from 1994 pop culture because that, that's an easy episode. Uh, we, we should. We should. Uh, I thought about doing that. My buddy Wiz uh, wanted to do like every year of the 90s kind of like breakdown. Uh, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Our five our five favorite, you know, whatever from, from a given year. But you know what? You are actually saying it a little more eloquently than I was going to say it, but you're spot yeah. on. I mean, what I was going to say, what I was going to say about Jim Carrey and why he's a little bit higher than some of these other names for me is because I was there for it. That's right. I was there for, I was there for the beginning of it through the ascension to, you know, what we know mm-hmm. now. Um, you know, all the other people on my list, you know, with the exception of Chris Farley, but, you know, talking about Michael Keaton, Eddie Murphy, Robin Williams, I came to that after the fact. I wasn't there for for them blowing up. I wasn't there for the beginning of their career. But Jim Carrey, I got to witness that from day one. Um, and I think that's kind of what you were saying as well. And I think that is the reason why he's my number one is because, you know, I can remember uh, the In Living Color days. And I can remember thinking, you know, I shouldn't be watching In Living Color because my parents, you know, didn't want me to. And it was a little 
too risque for for a kid my age to be watching. And I can remember, you know, characters that he would do on that show, like Fire Marshal Bill, and uh, I want to I want to say the the Beefcake Girl. He did his name was Glinda or something <laughs> like that. I think Rhonda or Glinda. I, can't I think remember, it was Rhonda. He would do those. He would do those characters, and I can just remember like being just entranced and just like there was no way I could not laugh at this dude. Um, and then when Ace Ventura came along, it was the same thing. It was another outlandish character, but now it was in this 90-minute film with this kind of interesting mystery story built into it um, with some other great characters. Co-starring Courtney and then Cox. That became, Courtney Cox, absolutely. And then that became a pop culture thing. And then I've already mentioned how I feel like he's in a group with someone like Robin Williams that can really flip a switch and make you cry, you know, and really make you invested in an emotional story. And then the next movie you see them in, you're laughing your ass off and rolling around on the floor, you know. So I, I just can't name more than a few actors that can still do that beautifully. And I feel like Jim Carrey does. And I've said this on my show before, too, and I will die on this hill, Chris, but I feel like, you know, Jim Carrey, in my opinion, and I'm talking about just in his body of work, is the most snubbed actor in Oscar history. Like, I cannot believe that this dude has not received an Oscar nomination for any of his work yet. It's absolutely dumbfounding to me. Uh, Eternal Sunshine, his dedication to the character of Andy Kaufman, who was a stand-up comic uh, in Man on the Moon. Uh, the Truman Show. I mean, his yeah. his performance, and that was a prophetic movie, man. I mean, that was like, you got to remember, that was before where we are now. I mean, that was the early 2000s. That was before Facebook even, um, and FaceTime, and uh, you know webcams, and all that kind of stuff. I mean, all that stuff was in the infancy stages. It wasn't like a voyeurism world that we're in now. Um, and he just was so awesome in that and played that kind of timid, tortured character so beautifully. He was funny at times, but you really felt for him at times. Um, yeah, I just think he's a great actor. I really do. And then at the same time, I can go back to when he started as a comedian, and I also love that just as much. So that's why he would be my number one man. I think that's an excellent pick and another great observation that I haven't thought of. And I, so, so you're saying in a weird way, well, at least in that one aspect that Jim Carrey is underrated. From yeah, I would say from a uh, from a notoriety yeah. standpoint, from like yeah. you know his book his bookshelves at his house should have a lot more shit on them. I'll just put it that yeah, way. Yeah, I don't think you're wrong. Uh, I think it's a good point. I th I think that, um, and I want to say maybe he even said this in an interview like a long time ago. But I I could just be remembering that secondhand. But I want to say I heard him say this. But I think when he talked out of his ass in Ace Ventura, he gave up all of his. <laughs> <laughs> Oscar potential. Do you know what I mean? I think he said that interview once. Um, I think that's a funny joke, because, but I mean, think think of think of Steve Martin and and, and Robin yeah. Williams. Both those guys have done multiple things that are equivalent to talking out of your ass. Right. I mean, the, the entire movie, <laughs> right. The Jerk, is basically talking out of your ass. Yeah. Sure. Come on. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I just love. It. I know Jim Carrey's not for everybody. Um. And I, I get that, but I guess kind of because you nailed it. You know, you nailed it. I mean, this guy had the biggest year of his career right when I was graduating high school. Yeah. And going into college right. and, and starting to go to the movies frequently, and he was in a lot of the movies I was going to see, and uh, and you feel a little bit of a connection and a little bit of pride almost when it's a musician or an actor that you were with from the beginning of course you know what I mean absolutely like, uh, and that's kind of how I feel with with Jim Carrey I've always been a just a giant fan of his and I love everything that he does so I figured it was a no-brainer to throw him on there at the number one spot like I said he's basically tied with Robin Williams but he does have that edge just because I was there from day well one, so. you know I agree with you because 
he he was my number three, but but I I put him at number three for the same reason that I put the other two guys at number two. Except I just felt like you know they they had achieved legend or icon status, and Jim Carrey just hasn't yet. But 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 my justification right. for putting him at near the top of the list is was the same reason. Right, right. Well, cool, man. Well, this was a lot of fun, Chris. I really appreciate it. You know what I like to do at the end of the show is I'm going to head over to our Facebook fan group in a minute and just give some shout outs over there. I think we mentioned most of the ones that our peeps had, but just in case, we'll go over there. Uh, but before we do that, man, I've got five honorable mentions here that I threw six through 10. I know you do as well. Did you want to go ahead and just list those? Real sure. Quick? Uh, at number six, I had, and I again, just like the, actually just like the top five, these could go in a different order. But sure. at number six, yeah. I had Dennis Leary. Mm-hmm. At number seven, I had Adam Sandler. At number eight, I have another legend and icon, Richard Pryor. Yes. Number nine, I had Bill Cosby. And at number 10, I had Mel Brooks. Now, those are my runners up. I want to mention mm-hmm. two other people. At number 11, okay. I had Jerry Seinfeld. And yeah, I was wondering where he was because we you, you brought him up frequently. So I was thinking he was maybe even going to be your one as we were going. No, along. his. I, I mean, he's, he's a stand up comic icon, but he really doesn't have an acting mm-hmm. resume. He, he did the show. Sein, well, Seinfeld. show. I mean, he's got the greatest sitcom of all time. Well, though. he does. And, and I mean, that is my opinion. I do think that Seinfeld is the greatest sitcom of all time. However, and it did right. run for nine seasons, it's 188 episodes. So it's a very long run, right. especially compared to today. Uh, but that right. it's so weird to say that's all, that's, th- it, that's all he did but that's all he did was the one mm-hmm. show and then he did the B movie um, which we actually watched yesterday it's <laughs> a good movie it is a good movie I like but, it but I mean yeah. that, that's his acting resume and so I no, because, I because yeah. of the, again the strict criteria that I put on myself I, I even though I love Jerry Seinfeld maybe more than any other any other comic I just couldn't put him in my top five uh, for that reason and, and that was the reason why I, I didn't even put him in my honorable mentions because I think those other five guys had a, a better combination of acting and stand-up and then the only other Understood. person that I, that I wanted to mention was and, and if I if I stuck to to the Gerald criteria this guy would have been really really high he might he might have been number one yeah. actually and that is Bill Murray okay well he's in my honorable okay. mentions too so I don't feel quite as bad that makes sense he was he was he was one of the other ones that I was like towing the line a little bit with the with the sketch versus the sure. stand-up um let me run through my six through ten and then I have a quick question for you uh, don't let me forget I have a question okay for you. uh so my, my number six would have been Bill Murray uh, I love his film career really above all else lost in translation uh he's in a new movie called on the rocks which is on apple tv if you haven't seen it i would highly okay. recommend it it's a great film uh, my number seven would have been amy poehler um she's Ooh. another one that started with second city but i absolutely adore her uh snl of course but she was on one of my favorite programs parks and recreation she has been in a few kind of like rom-coms uh none of which were particularly mind-blowing but i love her you know she can do no wrong in my eyes so i love amy well poehler. And, and hang on my hang no- on she didn't actually start at um at second city she started at uh, ucb oh that's right that's and, what i meant UCB. And not, not only yep. did she start there but she was one of the four founders of the upright citizens brigade theater the the most legendary maybe the groundlings but really ucb is the most legendary uh, improv theater in, in the history of improv hell yeah there you go but i absolutely adore her uh, another great voice acting by the way as joy and in inside yeah, out terrific. which is one of my favorite pixar films my number eight would have been it's a personal pick right i i, I this guy just cracks me up so much, man. Um, it, very, very, very similar to my Chris Farley pick, actually. In fact, he could he could very well be considered like the modern day Chris Farley, like present day Chris Farley. But it's Zach Galifianakis who uh, made a name for himself in the Hangover. Sure, films. yeah. You know who Zach Galifianakis mm-hmm. is? Okay, he also cool. had an excellent episode uh, on comedians and cars. Oh, I haven't seen his yet. It's very I good. I haven't seen his yet, but he does he does this uh, Will Ferrell produced. 
kind of like mockumentary talk show called Between Two Ferns. Have you ever of seen course. that? I love it. I love it. I was going to send you clips if you hadn't, but uh, it, it's it's hilarious. But I love him. I put Rodney Dangerfield in my number nine. Definitely. Yep. Rodney da- Rodney Dangerfield is a, is a comedian that I have a connection to my father with because my father used to like play his comedy for me and tr- like it would be one of those things where he'd be like, son, listen to this. And like, if I didn't laugh, he would like get mad at me. <laughs> you know, like, why don't you think this is funny? <laughs> right. <laughs> and as I got older, it became more funny to me. And now I just can't not laugh at him anytime I see him in a movie or hear any well, of you know, honestly, it, that, that's a good one. And I don't know why he didn't make my list because he actually has a decent filmography. Yeah, he does. I mean, Back to School has always been one of my favorites. Um, and then you mentioned my number 10 would have been Dennis Leary. Okay. Um, so, you know, the question I wanted to ask because, and we don't have to do a whole long drawn out thing on it, but I wanted to ask because it's come up a few times on the show before. And I got to be honest with you, the reason I'm asking is because I don't really know where I stand and I want people to kind of sway me a little bit. So you had Bill Cosby in your extended list. Yeah. Yep. And I initially would have probably had Louis C.K. in my extended list. I'm a big Louis C.K. fan okay. uh, from a stand up from a stand up comedy perspective. So those two names in particular and then some other people that, you know, could get thrown into the conversation as well have done things off stage that are uh, you know, frowned upon. They're not good. Right. And they're kind of, you know, been seen as unsavory individuals in the media or because of what they've done and things like that. So where are you at when it comes to separating the art from the artist? Are you okay with that? Or is that because I feel like it's clouding me a little bit? Because like I said, if I didn't know any of that stuff about Louis C.K. that came out a couple of years ago, he would have been on my list. Like I wouldn't have even hesitated putting him in at least in my top 10. Yeah. But I didn't. That, that's not a short conversation, but we'll attempt to make it short. Yeah. Yeah. Because because there's the thing about it is there, there's like a range. Some people did some kind of bad stuff, and then you've got Bill Cosby. I, I mean, mm-hmm. Bill Cosby is a monster, okay? Mm-hmm. And and it's right. it's an absolute tragedy that that what he did didn't catch up to him decades before because he'd been doing sure. it for forty years. It seemed like it sounds like, mm-hmm. and now he's in prison. That's exactly where he should be. You know, Louis C.K. would you know did some bad stuff, but not nearly to that degree. And then there's people all over that spectrum separating the art from the artist. <laughs> You, I, I think there's a parallel conversation to have um, regarding sports. You know, if if you if you yeah, went and dug sure. into all of your athletes and and you decided to not root for them based on their off off the field behavior, you may not have any athletes left to root for. Um, mm-hmm. and, and so, ju- ju- I mean, Bill Cosby deserves to go away and and not be spoken of ever again. I think that's the level of 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 how bad what he did was. Kind of in the same way, in my opinion, of Michael Jackson, like he should be erased from pop culture forever. I think he's a monster, except maybe even worse than Bill Cosby because he he did it to children. Um, that's like right. a special kind of evil um but but for the but for the purpose just for the purpose of this exercise i i made the choice to because i i put him on there and then i stared at it for the exact same reason we're having this conversation and and i decided just for the sake of the discussion i decided to compartmentalize but but it may if someone decides to and i kind of have with bill cosby if they decide just to never speak the man's name again that's totally justified Mm -hmm. and i can support that yeah it's tough man i mean I guess I don't really know what to say. And that's what sucks when this conversation comes up. And I really, you know, do respect you and, and a lot of other people I've had on my show. And whenever, you know, somebody's name comes up that would fall in that kind of category or whatever, I always like to ask because it's just such a polarizing thing for me. Like, I don't really know what I want to do there. Like, I'm a big horror fanatic. You know, I love horror movies. And, you know, Victor Salva is a director that directed this film called Jeepers Creepers. And it was one of my favorite horror movies for like 15 years. And then it came out that you know he was basically a child molester Mm. like he molested one of the young girls on the set of that movie uh which is a character i know from the movie and from being such a big fan of the film and it's like 
So do I still love the film or now am I like knowing that that tragedy occurred on the set and that the person that, you know, reaped the benefits from that film was behind the camera? Do you know what I'm saying? Like I'm always kind of torn with when stuff like that happens. Like I love American Beauty, the movie American <laughs> Beauty. A great but example. Kevin Spacey's a piece of shit. Kevin Spacey is a great <laughs> example because he's a brilliant actor. Right, um, right. So you know, I, I just don't know, man. I just don't know. I, I, I don't either. I can't confidently say for sure, but I, I think my thought of it at this very moment as a, before I you know walk away and go process this some more would be, I, I, I think... <laughs> I'm going to keep you up tonight, yeah, right? <laughs> I'm going to be, I'll be up till wee hours of the morning trying to solve <laughs> this conversation. You text me like, why the hell did you ask me that? Thanks a lot, Gerald. Oh, man. But um, yeah. you know, I, I think maybe the answer is you have to apply common sense and you have to take it on a case-by-case basis. And, and then it's a very individualistic decision you, you know you bring up a sure. person's name like for example that horror director and you go how do i feel about him right in this moment what, what do i think and, and if if in your gut you're like yeah i can't support him anymore then then you don't right. you know and and i i, I think Boy, not to get too political. I, I, I don't think you can paint with a broad brush. I think the cancel culture has been taken too far. Um, yeah, it, it has. really has. I get it. It's, it's just, it just mm-hmm. has. I feel like there's times when it's warranted, and then there's times when it's like, okay, you're just doing this because everybody well, else is. Well, you're, you're caught up in the tidal wave, and, and I think that's a dangerous yeah. thing. And so, so I, I think, like I said, I think you've got to, with a very level head, when you're not feeling overly emotional about it, you have to, you have to take it on a case by case basis and make a personal decision. And then if someone disagrees with you, then and that's okay because it's it's a personal thing, right? It, right I, I mean, sure. I mean, whether you like something or not, you know, art or comedy or entertainment, that's super subjective, and therefore you can, I think, you can make an individual decision on it. Uh, but you, yeah. it, I don't get out your broad brush and, and paint a big wide stroke. I don't think that's appropriate. All right, man. Well, before you toss and turn tonight mm-hmm. and hit me up in the morning about where your head's at on this, let's go over to Facebook and open up the old suggestion box and see what the fans had to say. We've got a few uh, a few responses here, and there's a couple that actually I was just looking at. I try not to look at these until we record, Chris, and there's a couple that I was just scrolling through here. I was surprised it actually didn't come up tonight when we were talking, but let's start with Chris Yaney, a patron of the show. He's got a list here of most of ones we mentioned, excluding one, but his top five would be Jim Carrey, Michael Keaton, so he knew... Thank you, Chris Yaney. He knew. Uh, I didn't know until tonight, Chris, but yeah. Uh, Jamie Foxx, Robin Williams, and Eddie Murphy. And then Jared Taylor, another patron of the show, has got a couple that we didn't mention, which I'm surprised, honestly. But let me talk about the ones that we did mention first. Robin Williams, Steve Martin, and Eddie Murphy. And then he's got John Candy and Will Ferrell. How you feel about that? You know, again, if if your criteria allows for sketch comedy folks, then then that's in their top five. I, I... I mean, I love John Candy, though. I will give. I that. love Will Ferrell. I, mean, I know he's polarizing, but, but I love Will Ferrell for a lot of reasons. I, I like Will Ferrell too. I like. I think of him more as a comedic actor, though. Like, I don't know any of his. Any I, of his yeah, I, I wouldn't put him stuff. in the top five. I'm, I might put him in my honorable mentions if you're including sketch folks. Um, for the reasons mm-hmm. we talked about earlier, you know, he he hasn't transitioned. He's he's kind of just done comedy. He hasn't shown a lot of range. Um, but but he's he's. He's extremely well known and, and beloved on SNL, and, he, and he's done some extremely funny movies. So he certainly deserves to be mentioned. And J- John Candy too. My boy I mean, Mark. I mean, how can you not love John Candy? Yeah. One of the nicest, nicest human beings yeah, ever him. to ever to do comedy. Absolutely. I mean, he's love he's him. kind Absolutely. of he's kind of a predecessor to uh, Chris Farley, quite honestly, in a way. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, same uh, cut from the same cloth. I Definitely. Would say. Uh, my buddy Marshall's got a good list here and a couple that we didn't mention. He says Richard Pryor, Jamie Foxx, Red Fox. Mm. Uh, that's a good one. 
Jim Carrey, Robin Williams, and then he says Amy Schumer, Whoopi Goldberg, and Chris Rock. Wait, say those again. Amy Schumer, Chris Rock, and what was the other one? Whoopi Goldberg. Oh, she was she was number sixteen on my list. Actually, yeah, she's good. Man. Uh, I no, actually good. I don't like Amy Schumer and I don't like Whoopi Goldberg. <laughs> <laughs> how, how, however, <laughs> that that's personal preference, and they do deserve to be on someone's list. And also, I did not think of Jamie Fox. Uh, credit to both of those guys that that um, listed him. That that's a good one. Yeah, that is a good one. Great actor. Yeah, uh, his acting uh, underrated. Very- Unchained, Ray. I mean, absolutely. Uh, Joey Mills has got Robin Williams, Billy Crystal, Eddie Murphy, Chris Rock, Richard Pryor, Steve Martin, Patton Oswalt, and uh, Dennis Leary. We didn't mention Patton Oswalt tonight. He's um, come on as of late with kind of a, a nice dramatic acting yeah. resume. Are yeah. you a fan of pa- Patton Oswalt? Nah, I could take or leave him, but he's he's certainly worthy of being mentioned. Yeah, I think he's I think he's uh, a great he, actor that kind of came out of nowhere. I wish I would have thought of Chris Rock. Um, he, I probably didn't uh, give put enough emphasis on his acting resume, quite honestly. And, and now he's in Fargo, so he he's now he's showing rage. So that's impressive, right? And he's uh, rebooting the Saw franchise. Oh, I didn't know that. Too, yeah, so. Chris Rock is tremendously talented. I mean, there's no question about it. He is, man. Uh, let's see. Travis Crawford has got Robin Williams, Jim Carrey, Louis Black. As a UNC Chapel Hill alum there, Lewis Black, interesting, interesting pick, because I don't think he really had much of an acting career, but I do love Lewis Black's, uh, Lewis Black's comedy. Yeah. And then he's and then he says Steve Martin, Patton Oswalt, and Dennis Leary. Let me see if there's a few that maybe we haven't mentioned yet, Chris. Uh, Hendo from the movie Journey mentioned Bill Burr because he loved him in The King of Staten Island. Did you see that one? I yet? did not. It came out this I year. Didn't, I didn't know Bill Burr had done any acting. Interesting. Yeah, he plays uh, kind of like the father to Pete Davidson, who is an SNL cast member right now. And it's it's a script that Pete Davidson wrote um, about his father was a firefighter that died in 9-11. Oh, yeah. I've, I've, and, I've heard and, him joke about that. <laughs> Yeah, right. And he wrote a script kind of as a dark comedy about that. And it's like the movie is like the aftermath after 9-11, after his pop passed away. And then Bill Burr plays this guy who's kind of like warming up to his mom, who's played by Marissa Tomei. Uh, oh. So he's kind of like this, kind of like the step stepdad. Speaking of early whatever, 90s, he did huge fan really of well. Marissa Tomei. Yeah, me too. Love her. Let's see. Um, so this was an interesting uh, comment that I got from David Powell, who's a great friend of the show. He's always giving feedback. So I wanted to mention this. He says, it's not in the same league, but Henry Rollins hasn't been mentioned yet, so I'll just throw his name in the mix. It's spoken word, especially the very early stuff, is hilariously funny, and his recent acting turn in He Never Died was magnificent stuff. Were you a fan of the spoken word kind of craze in the 90s? Because Henry Rollins really cashed in uh, on that. I, I never got into any of that, but I was certainly aware of Henry Rollins and... Of, of the limited stuff of his that I did consume, I liked it quite a bit. I, I, I like Henry Rollins a lot. I think he's a really, I think he's a buddy, really interesting person. He is, man. It's just weird because when I think of spoken word, I think of Henry Rollins. I feel like he's like the mm. person for that. And I wonder kind of where that went in pop culture. I mean, I know it's still happening. Yeah. But when it was popularized was when he was doing it, I feel like. you know. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's he's a um, highly intelligent guy and, and has done some great things. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And then we'll end on our buddy Michael Hill. He's been on the show several times before. He's a friend of mine in real life as well. I have friends, Chris. So huh. there you go. Uh, but he's got a couple that we didn't mention. He's got Nathan Lane and Eddie Izzard. We didn't mention those two. I'm a I'm a huge fan of Nathan Lane, but I didn't I wasn't aware that he did stand up comedy. I wasn't either. But again, if if you're using loose criteria, then um, yeah, maybe. What what has he done besides acting? I know he's done Broadway, obviously, but what is, has he done? I don't I don't know. I mean, I'm going on uh, my my friends doing the research here. I have no idea. Maybe he maybe he did a Gerald list. Well, if if he <laughs> <laughs> don't give yourself such a hard time, if, you know, if, no, if okay. he if if you can come up with a criteria that can include Nathan Lane, then absolutely. Because good oh, good sure. grief is yeah. that guy talented. 
I love him. Uh, great mention there. Eddie Izzard, I never really got into. I know people like him, but I don't know. I, I never, it's not that I dislike him. I just never got well, into How much him. acting has he Gary, done? He's, uh, I don't know. I mean, he's done a few things, but I feel like they're overseas. I feel like he's an English actor, right? Like he does a lot of stuff like in Europe. I feel oh, like. yeah, for sure. Uh, it, did, didn't Eddie Izzard do, um, do Cake or Death? That was really funny. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right, well, look, dude, this was a, a great conversation. It was a lot of fun. It was a topic that you came up with, so I really want to thank you. I probably never would have would have thought of this topic, but like I said earlier, it was a lot of fun to research it and, and watch some of these stand-up bits that I probably inserted on the episode, too. Uh, but Chris, you know, you're a friend of the show, man. Like I said, you helped me in the beginning stages of my podcast. You've, you've kind of been a staple, and you've always been there. I really appreciate it. So people should check you out, man. Why don't you tell them, you know, what you're doing with This Week Today and where they should look you up, brother? My show is called This Week Today. Of course, you can... You can get it anywhere you listen to podcasts. It's a comedy podcast uh, with my dear friend and co-host, uh, Adam Saunders. We've been we've actually been doing podcasting together for about three years, but this show's only been around since August. I think we're on episode. We're about to record episode 11 uh, of this of the spinoff. We're on social media at This Week Pod. That's uh, Twitter. We still have our, our Facebook group, which is the Gravity Beard Interns, which is a bunch of middle-aged adults acting like they're interns for a company that doesn't exist. That's been pretty fun for the last couple of years. Uh, you really have no reason to email me, so I don't need to share that. But yeah, that, that's where you can find us. <laughs> I, I don't think I've ever received. What's a, your What's your home address, Chris? In case yeah, they want to mail you a right, letter right. of some kind. Yeah, I, I mean, as, as many times as I've on my own show or someone else's show shared an email address, I've never received an email, so I'm, I'm going to stop doing that. Uh, but yeah, that, that's where you uh, get our show. It's it's tremendously fun. It's uh, it's a short show, so it's a very it's a very small investment if you want to check out a new podcast. So uh, th- cool, th- thank you for cool. having me on. This really scratched an itch. This is where my head is at these days, and so this was. Tremendously Great. fun. Great, man. No, I really appreciate it. Absolutely no problem at all. And thanks so much for being here. Guys, make sure you check him out. His information will be linked in the show notes if you want to scroll down and hit that and head over and, and give Chris a like and a subscribe and check him out. Uh, Chris, thanks so much for being here, man. And I uh, hope to have you back on soon. Okay? Oh, yeah, that'd be great. All right, guys. Until next time, we will be back with another top five and another pee on the pod. Take care. Moses walking with the staff Thank you for listening. Two Peas is an independent podcast. We rely on donations from our executive producers in order to release new content weekly. Please check the show notes for a current list of all of our executive producers. If you would like to join them to help us continue to release great content, please visit Two Peas on a Pod at patreon.com or check out the show notes for this episode. Again, we sincerely thank you for listening.